0: Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. No matter what you're doing today, what your role is, in my mind, everybody's a leader. You don't need a capital L leadership title. And so just, you should challenge yourself to say, I know I'm doing a good job, but am I having an impact? How could I have a greater impact? How could I leave a legacy in what I'm doing today so that when I move on from this role, either the business is better, the team is better, the client's better, the process is better. That's how you really develop yourself as a leader.
1: This is the Business Leadership Podcast, and I'm your host, Edwin Frondozo. Welcome. How are you? How is your day going? Thank you for taking the time to join me. This is episode number 109, and my guest today is Beth Wilson, the CEO of Dentons Canada. Beth is widely known and respected in the Canadian business community and is an accomplished and dedicated community leader. As a testament to her ongoing dedication, Beth has been recognized by leading organizations such as WXN, YWCA Toronto, and Canadian Women of Influence. In this episode, you will learn Beth's strategy to build trust and credibility. She shares some unique opportunities that she experienced as a female business leader. She also shares the crucial role of having a network and mentor for her to continue to grow as a business leader. This episode is brought to you by Slingshot VoIP, a leader in business voice AI technology systems that help companies align and understand what the customers are saying when they're calling in. The Business Leadership Podcast is a friend of the ITWC Podcast Network and supported by our media partner, IT World Canada. Thank you to those who have left a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts. I really appreciate you. This latest one is from Malik Dabu. They write, Edwin has a way of asking questions that lead his guests to support their advice and success statements with detailed examples. Lots to learn from this podcast. I've been listening to top podcasts and realize that I get more details and actionable feedbacks from listening to this one. Thank you, Malik. I really appreciate you. So when you rate and leave a review, I will read it out on the following episodes. Now, here we go. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Beth.
0: Thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Well, I'm super excited. Thank you for having me in your office here, your beautiful office here, downtown Toronto. But Beth, before we get started, can you introduce yourself to our listeners today? Tell us, who is Beth Beth? And what does Beth like to do when she's not growing or leading businesses?
0: Right. So who's Beth? So I often, I find myself first as a mom because I, uh, I am a mom, uh, two boys, uh, they're older now. So I can't call them my, uh, my little boys anymore, 21 and 18. So, uh, what do I like to do when I'm not, uh, I'm not leading my heaven on earth, as I call it, is the cottage. So our favorite thing as a family is, is time to go to the cottage. I love the outdoors, nature, getting out on my paddle board, getting out in the kayak. Um, I'm very active. So I love to run and cycle, and now that the boys are bigger, my husband and I spend a lot of time together on uh, on long cycling rides, and we've even incorporated cycling trips into our vacation times. So I do all of that. Um, like to read, like to travel, yeah,
1: very cool. Well, it sounds like you you got a whole well rounded life there. Um, so I'm really excited to to learn more and really share your story here today. So why don't we dig into today? Maybe if you could tell us a bit about. Dentons, your specific role, and if possible, um, maybe what you're trying to accomplish over the next uh, six to twelve months.
0: Sure. Okay. So I am the Canada CEO for Dentons, and I joined, gosh, a little over eighteen months ago. Hard to time flies, right? It's hard to imagine it's been that long. So Dentons Canada is a full service national law firm and a member of the world's largest law firm, globally. So globally, the firm would be in over 75 countries, 10,000 lawyers. Uh, It's really, really quite an exciting organization to be involved in. I was uh, recruited into Dentons as the CEO to really help Dentons in Canada uh, refresh its strategy. So when I joined in 2017, we worked together collaboratively to build a five-year plan. And so over the next six to 12 months, we're deep in execution. Um, the most important pillar of that is exceptional talent. So, you know, you've heard about the war for talent. I'm sure every leader that you talk to on this podcast talks about that, but we're very focused on uh, attracting, retaining and developing our talent uh, because that's what our clients buy at the end of the day, talent. Uh, we have an aggressive profitable growth strategy. So we're looking at growing in a number of different ways. And then part of the reason I was brought in as well is to change the way that we run operationally. So it's not business as usual here at Denton's, I like to say. Uh, Lots of work being done on efficiency, effectiveness of our processes, innovative technologies in terms of how we deliver legal services and and just how we do our own uh, processes here at Denton's. So uh, a long list uh, that will take more than 6 to 12 months to get through, that's for sure.
1: That's amazing. What's really interesting, Beth, in in what you said here, and I just want to dig a little deeper into it, which is really interesting for some of the listeners who may have just heard that, one, you got recruited. So you were not in-house a couple of years ago. Tell me about that transition, taking on a leadership role within a new organization and how you rallied up um, maybe some of your executive team and then how it trickled down Mm -hmm. to to the rest of the organization. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, it's actually really interesting because not only did a law firm partnership go outside for the CEO, but I'm not a lawyer. I spent 26 years right out of university at KPMG. So I'm, a, I'm an accountant by background. So no accounting or lawyer jokes are allowed ever on this <laughs> podcast. And, and I was, uh, recruited because of the business processes and the growth that you see in the big four firms and the law, the legal sector is also being disrupted in a similar way. And then we're looking for the same kind of, uh, know how that you have in, in that area. So coming in, I did deal with that challenge that I'm not a lawyer. Um, but I've lived and breathed professional services for 26 years. And it really at the end of the day, it's the same thing, client service excellence, nurturing your talent, making sure you're Business processes are really efficient, and dealing with all the all the disruption. Um, the way that I worked to build trust and credibility was focusing on listening. So, my first ninety days here was what I called my look listen, learn tour. I uh, went out across the country. I met with lawyers, individuals who are in leadership roles, associates, our business services professionals, to hear from them, right, in terms of what they thought needed to change, what they thought that I shouldn't change, um, perspectives on culture, where we're going. And through spending that time listening, I think I really uh, built trust and then looked for early wins, right? So a little bit the classic playbook on what you do in your first 90 days, but listen, score some early wins, and then start working on the heavy, heavy lifting of the strategy.
1: Well, that's amazing. I appreciate you sharing that. I'm wondering, from your point of view, if you could maybe tell us some of these opportunities, maybe perhaps the challenges that, that you've experienced being a female leader within business.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I think your question's interesting <clears throat> because it is both opportunities and, and challenges. Um, on the opportunity front, uh, at KPMG through most of my career, I think it helps to be excellent at whatever your professional skill is. Um, there's no doubt that I think when senior leaders spot a woman who's got strong skills in that re- way and, and who has leadership potential, in this day and age where we're really looking to advance women in leadership, there's an opportunity there because as long as a senior leader spots your talent and is looking to sponsor and bring women up through the organization, I was brought very early into leadership at KPMG thanks to mentorship and sponsorship from uh, from others. Um, I think there's also an opportunity to bring... Uh, to bring to bear what's unique, uh, and I don't like to generalize, but there are leadership traits that you see more frequently in women than you do men, so I think there's a great opportunity for organizations and for female leaders to leverage that as a strength as opposed to seeing it as you know a trait that they have to modify or change to emulate male leadership behavior. I think there's a grand awakening going on in society and in business, and it's backed by research about how powerful those traditionally female leadership traits can be in an organization in terms of driving performance. So to me, that's a huge opportunity for women out there to grab it. I think now is uh, now is a great time to do that. You know, on the challenge side, when I talk about this, You know, I say you can't, you can't defeat biology, right? So at the end of the day, women are still, you know, carrying and bearing children and there's a a physical need for mothers. I think from a societal perspective, women still bear a lot of the responsibility in terms of general caregiving, care for the family, elder care, kind of being the ones holding that family unit together. And so that invariably poses a challenge for women for sure. There is, there is a unique balancing aspect, if you wanna use that word, or integration aspect, work-life integration aspect, unique to women, um, and you have to work through that and leverage your network and your family, and and be with open minded organizations that are going to support you, particularly through those early years when your when your children are younger. And then I think as you get more senior, and certainly my experience was, there's still unconscious bias out there for sure, and we see it we see it with women in politics. We still see it as women are challenged to reach the upper echelons of of business or in board seats. And so dealing with that unconscious bias uh, as you go requires some strength and courage.
1: Have you seen a a shift though in consciousness uh, throughout the years as you've grown through KPMG and now leading a a national organization?
0: Absolutely. So a- absolutely. There's so many examples of what is better. And, and this topic's interesting because we can get depressed about the fact that we still have a long way to go in terms of women in senior roles and on boards. But when you think about where we've come from, even 10 years ago, um, you know, when I was making partner, for example, at KPMG, I didn't have any female role models who were partners who had children, for example. I couldn't think of a single woman made, who was made partner while she was uh, expecting a child now and you know even when I left KPMG we had numerous examples just this past year at Denton's three of our promotes uh, two had just returned from maternity leaves and one was off on a maternity leave so you know I think we are getting well past the stage of the what have you done for me lately uh, and and we're building, things into our processes to check against unconscious bias. We have really great uh, HR professionals in the organization who challenge our thinking all the time. So the level of awareness is definitely there. It doesn't mean that we've solved the problem though.
1: It's, it's super interesting and very inspirational, especially me having a young daughter almost, almost turning three. And I love in terms of seeing that shift and, and really wondering, you know, how, to nurture my own daughter right. and who to look up to and sort of some of my motivations as well for this podcast is always to show that example. And what would you say Beth to those who are listening, some of the younger emerging business leaders who are female, who may be, you know, going through this challenges or maybe not even seeing opportunities at this point. Like what, what advice would you give them at this point?
0: Uh, I think, a few things. First of all, recognize that your career is really, really long. And I know it's hard if you're 25 or 28 or 30 or even 35 because it feels like in the moment. Uh, that time pressure is on you. And and I have this conversation, for example, with senior associates who really want to make partner in a given year and remind them that they still have this 30-year runway ahead of them after they make partner. And they're really not going to remember whether they made partner this year or whether it was next year or whether they took a bit more time with their kids. So I think just recognize that you have a really long runway to take some of that time pressure off of you. You don't have to keep pace with everybody else. So I I would really encourage young women to set their own pace and recognize there's lots of time to do both. And it's okay to sort of ramp up or down with respect to family or other interests and work. Um, And you'll still ultimately be able to get to where you're trying to get to. The other thing I would say is that your support system is really important. And I think it's really important for young women to have honest conversations with their significant others or in their households about about what you as a family unit want your family life to look like. How are you going to, between each other, take your foots respectively on and off the gas pedal in terms of your careers or flexibility, you know, do you both believe in a full-time nanny as a model or not? And if not, where's the support going to come from? Grandparents otherwise um, decide you're going to spend money on making your life easier, whether that's, you know, household support or whatever the case may be. I often see young women struggle because they haven't really had that kind of honest conversation in their homes. That's sort of on the home personal front. And then, at in in business or in their profession, it's really important for women to uh, state their ambition, to not assume that just because they've got their head down and they're doing great work that their performance managers or leaders know that they aspire to do something more, or that they want to be considered for roles. So, I, I think that's important to have those uh, have those conversations for sure.
1: How are you enjoying the conversation with? Beth, I got a question for you. Do you get inbox anxiety? You know that feeling when you open your email inbox and you see countless of unread emails? So what do you do? You you quickly close that app. I used to have it till I found a system that allows me to achieve inbox zero. I'm excited to share that. I wrote a short ebook to share the strategies and tools that I use to get to inbox zero. Not only that, I provide some challenges that will give you some accountability to help you achieve inbox freedom. Did I mention it's free? Yes, I wrote this for you. No email required. Simply go to my Facebook group at thebusinessleadership.com slash FB group or search for the Business Leadership Group directly in Facebook. Now let's get back to it. I'm just... Changing gears, um, Beth, many leaders take many risks, and I'm sure you've done many of them throughout your career, and some actually may result in failure. How have you dealt with handling failure and adversity? Adversity.
0: I think it's great you asked that question because I don't think we spend enough time telling stories about failure. We focus a lot on success stories and there's so much to be learned from failure stories. People are even, women in particular, I think are afraid of even using that failure word um, for, for a bunch of reasons. So the big thing for me is about building personal resilience. So you know, you can have bumps in the road, failures, if you want to call that in your personal life or in your professional life. And so having the physical and mental resilience to deal with that through your habits is really important. So exercise, stress reduction, journaling, you know, what's your outlet, taking adequate vacations, you know, that self-care piece. I don't think we learn that sometimes till much later in life. And and I think I should, I I could have done a much better job of that earlier on uh, for sure. And it would have made me more um, resilient. I think the best way though to deal with adversity and failure is self-reflection. That's what I've learned. So I make a point of, I journal regularly uh, anyhow as a habit, but I do make a point of exploring things and asking uh, how much of that was out of my control. What are the factors that I could have controlled that maybe I should have done differently and I think spending time reflecting on the failure allows you to learn from it, but it also allows you to move on from it. So you don't have to dwell on the failure and continuing carrying it with you, you know, as a gremlin on your shoulder, um, always in your ear. Well, remember the time when you took that risk and you failed? Well, you can say, yes, I do. And I remember what I learned from that. And so this time I'm going to do things a little differently, right?
1: Yeah. Talk to me about reflecting. Cause I know I, I have a journaling practice as well, almost every day, um, but sometimes I find myself reflecting other ways as well. It doesn't necessarily have to do that. I do run as well. Um, do you also practice this maybe on shorter terms, on smaller tasks or some things that you really need to like go over it, or is it already just something that happens automatically?
0: In terms of like reflecting, reflecting um, I think I'm pretty reflective. Even, even in the moment, like right after a conversation with someone, that maybe didn't go as well as I thought, I will try to just in my head in the moment, say, what could I have done differently there? Yeah.
1: Beth, can you share some tips when it comes to, I guess, creating, developing, and and maybe even implementing a strategy?
0: Mm. Yeah, some people say the strategy is the easy part, it's execution (laughs) that's really the hard part. I think that's true. Um, I think it's really important when developing a strategy to make sure that there's not too much navel-gazing going on as you develop the strategy. So looking outside your organization and and not just to competitors in your sector, but so much can be learned from thinking laterally and thinking about how do you take the strategic challenges you're facing as an organization and can you find organizations in another sector who are undergoing the same sort of challenges, whether it's being disrupted by technology or changing needs of a client base and, and look at that to see, well, what are the strategic differentiators over there? How can we apply it to our, so to our business? So I'd say the first thing is broadly looking outside. The second thing is making sure that you have diversity in the broadest sense of the term around the table or in your workshops as you're, as you're working on strategy. So you know, I think it's great if the leadership team gets together to work on strategy, but where's the voice of the millennials in your organization, right? How, how, Again, it's it can be group think. So if you think about diversity as generational, job function, you know, gender, ethnic background, and making sure that you're getting different voices at the table and in the build part of the strategy is super critical. And then that also helps you to buy buy-in along the way of the strategy. So I found here that I took the strategy out in town hall sessions first for lots of discussion with the partners and then our team members. And that allows for an opportunity to buy in. I also think that in terms of building that buy-in, it's really important to help people understand the what's in it for me in terms of the strategy, right? How do you take that strategy, which people might look at and say, well, that's the leader's job to implement that. How do you make that real for them? What meaningful role can they play in their day-to-day job function that will actually help advance the strategy? Because everybody wants to be part of that. Um, It can't just be a shiny document that sits in a leadership desk somewhere.
1: Is there anything that you do um, maybe in the past or even now? I know you talked about journaling, but Anything else that you do to uh, that allows you to continually grow and develop as as a leader?
0: Yeah, it's really a challenge, right? As you become more senior in an organization, they say, you know, they say it's lonely at, lonely at the top, and that they mean that for a reason. Um, so, a few things. First of all, I sit on outside boards, so I I sit on one corporate board and a number of not for profit boards, and I find. I learn a lot, uh, through my board work. Um, you become challenged in that you have to learn a different business model from your own, which also stimulates your own thinking about your organization. And I also learn from watching other board directors and how they operate around the boardroom table and the way they phrase problems or, or present or think about strategy. So for me, that's been a great sense of, of learning. Um, my network. So I network with other senior leaders and CEOs and, and that's been a great source of learning. Um, and mentoring. So, you know, the interesting thing is often you think about mentoring and that you're imparting sort of knowledge and wisdom and guiding somebody, uh, somebody else. But. When mentoring is working really well, I find I also learn from the people that I mentor and that I bring along. So that's been a great source of learning. You know, and then reading and all of those great things, of course. But
1: Yeah, sure. Was there one practice that really helped you grow, maybe perhaps when you're in KPMG, that really allowed you to significantly start growing? Or was there a mentor that that you looked towards that, that really believed in you? Mm-hmm
0: a couple things for sure there was a meant, and and I would use the word sponsor uh and he was our CEO at the time his name is Bill McKinnon I'd be embarrassed I'm sure if I named him but um <laughs> the, you know the word sponsor didn't even exist at that time but that's exactly what Bill did I mean he he had worked with me uh in some client relationships and he basically reached down and pulled you know a fairly junior partner uh up and gave me an opportunity. My very first leadership role was as the uh, chief HR officer for KPMG, and that put me squarely on the on the national management committee and right at the heart of the uh, of the firm's strategy. and And Bill was super supportive. He would, you know, move me to other roles as necessary, and and always um, always doled out tune ups, as I like to call them. So, you know, sometimes. Sometimes leaders don't give women feedback the same way they give men. They, they hold back on it. And Bill, Bill didn't hold back on his tune-ups. So he was an equal opportunity giver <laughs> of tune-ups. But I benefited hugely from that because I think if you're performing well in a role, if you don't have a mentor or a sponsor who's going to challenge you to reach and try even harder and really stretch yourself, then you can um, stagnate, right? You can kind of cap out at a certain point. So he did all those things for me.
1: I mean, there's, there's a couple of things that, that you mentioned there. It might be interesting for those who are listening because, one, Bill reached down to Junior. For those who are Juniors listening, like how do you get visibility to hmm. folks or how do you find that sponsor or build that relationship?
0: You can find mentors Uh, You can't necessarily find a sponsor because a sponsor is somebody who's willing to give of their own personal and political capital to, and take a risk to create an opportunity for you. I think you can get on the radar screen of, of potential sponsors. First and foremost, you need to be, you need to really be excellent at, at whatever your skill or professional area is. So I think get that button to, Button down right away. And then I would say very early on, be proactive. So put your hand up to lead task force or committees or initiate something. And the other thing that really gets individuals on the, on the radar screen for leaders is people who are solution oriented. So there are lots of people who will respond to your surveys or your asks and willingly tell you what's wrong in an organization. There are very few who will. Provide you with some ideas around solutions. And then there's even a smaller subset of those who will put their hand up to say, I will help lead that. And so I think if you think about yourself, honestly, in which bucket are you fitting into? Uh, are you engaged at all? Are you, are you giving the feedback? Are you providing solutions? And are you one of the few that would put your hand up to help lead? That's how you get on the radar screen of a senior leader. And
1: that's super interesting in terms of, I love how you describe um, almost, not that it's a funnel, but is there any situation where you came with maybe a leadership team and you're like, there's that, like you almost fought to sponsor the same person. Like, it seems like the numbers are so low that <laughs> that you might have both two people or you and your colleague, you know, found someone both and like, hey, wait, I was going to work with that person.
0: Yeah, Um think about that. You know, I, I can't think of a specific example where that happened, but I would say that uh with great talent, if you have multiple mentors and even if you had a couple people sponsoring you, that's a great problem to have. Uh, I, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think it's uh staking out your territory with the uh, <laughs> yeah. with the up and coming young talent. I think the more people in an organization providing feedback and opportunities and investing in great talent, the better.
1: That's great. Fun question, Beth. If I were to ask any of your team, it could be past or present, colleagues, peers, what's the best leadership quality that Beth has? What do you think they would say?
0: Hmm. I think they would say uh, my ability to inspire uh, and the positivity uh, that I bring, right? Maybe described as energy uh, for sure, Um And others might roll their eyes a bit and say, energy, they would say, work ethic. (laughs) So, yeah. That's awesome. So what
1: else is going on, Beth? I know there's a couple of things. Obviously, you're fairly not new to the role anymore, but you said you're still in that five-year plan. But is there any other special projects, any initiatives, anything like super fun that you're really excited about, maybe even losing sleep?
0: Yeah, I, ha- I, I do have a big one. Um, for years, I have been engaged in the United Way uh, here in the greater Toronto area. I, I think the organization is absolutely critical to keeping our social fabric together that creates the kind of community that you and I both love uh, to both live and work in. And I'm so honored that I was asked this year to chair uh, the United Way campaign for 2019. So I'm leading a big cabinet, a whole team. Team of business and community leaders to drive that annual campaign, which funds basically all of the high-impact programming for social a- services agencies across the community in the greater Toronto area. So so super honoured. It does keep me up at night because it's an incredible responsibility. Uh, the community, as you and I look outside the window here, the community is dependent on us to have a successful campaign and and do that because it's that network of social services agencies that really makes the difference. So the other thing that's coming up, I'm not losing sleep, uh, but I am thinking about investing in a box of Kleenex. Uh, I have a double graduation in June. So both of my boys that I talked about are graduating, one from grade 12, and the other one is graduating his, uh, his undergrad program at Carleton. And they're both in the same week in June. So it'll be celebratory but i'm sure mom will be uh doing her crying along the way so
1: oh my gosh well first off congratulations on the appointment um i'm definitely going to ask you how we as the listeners could help uh with the united way or where we could get more information um and i'll post it on the website as well um also congratulations to the double graduation especially the son at carlton that's my uh my university.
0: Oh, terrific. Oh, that's <laughs> great. Oh, he loves, he loves Ottawa, has loved Carlton, has had a great experience Ottawa, there.
1: Ottawa is amazing. Yeah. Amaz- amazing place to study.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I'm having a blast, Beth. But before we end, I'd love it if I, if you could share some final thoughts, uh, observations, ideally some type of actionable recommendations that you could share with the business leader, emerging business leader who, who is listening today.
0: Yeah, I think a few things. Um, I, say, I, I talked about one already, which is really uh, the importance of stating your ambition. Um, and you shouldn't be afraid of that word, ambition, either. And I think the more you talk about it, whether that's in an entrepreneurial uh, landscape or in a, in a large corporate, uh, letting others know what your dream is, what you aspire to then they can help you and they can create those opportunities for you. Um, the second thing I would say, and it goes a little bit back to your question around how do you get on the radar screen of leaders? No matter what you're doing today, what your role is, in my mind, everybody's a leader. You don't need a capital L leadership title. And so I just you should challenge yourself to say, I know I'm doing a good job but am I having an impact? How could I have a greater impact? How could I leave a legacy in what I'm doing today so that when I move on from this role, either the business is better, the team is better, the client's better, the process is better. That's how you really develop yourself as a leader by pushing yourself in your existing role to uh, to have impact for sure. Um, and then the third one comes back to your failure question is uh, is around taking risks. Um It can be really uncomfortable to stretch yourself, to make a lateral move, to try a different sector. It is only through taking risks and and failing and succeeding that we grow as individuals and we develop that whole portfolio of experiences that will make us great leaders. So. Those would be my three big things, for oh, those, sure.
1: Those, those are pretty good. Thank you. For and
0: sh- self-care. Do oh. not forget self-care. <laughs> yeah, Diet, exercise, spa treatments, whatever, whatever it is for you is so important and not lose that and along it's, it's the way. It's never
1: too soon to start, right?
0: Never too soon to start.
1: <laughs> awesome. Beth, to close, can you share in, more info- uh, where we can find more information about you, obviously Dentons or anything else, uh, United Way? Yeah. Um,
0: um, so I'm on LinkedIn, so everybody can find me on LinkedIn for sure. Uh, Dentons is easy. It's just www.dentons.com. That'll take you to the global website, and then you can find Canada in there and, and drill down uh, for anything, or, or maybe it's another country uh, that you're interested in. And the United Way, I would say uh, I would say just, uh, you know, Google United Way, Greater Toronto Area. And I would ask our listeners to spend a bit of time on the site because I think um, you would be surprised to learn uh, learn about the United Way and and what it's doing and how dependent the whole functioning of our community is on what the United Way does. Read some of the research, right? Educate yourself on on some of the issues, and then obviously, I would love to you en- love to have you engage as volunteers, uh, and uh, and of course with your wallets, either through your workplace giving campaign or individually.
1: Amazing. Beth, it's been an amazing time with you. Thank you for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast.
0: Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it.
1: That's it, Biz Leaders. Thank you for joining me on the Business Leadership Podcast, episode 109 with Beth Wilson. If you want to learn more about Beth, Denton's, or anything else we discuss, please go to com slash 109. Join me on my private Facebook group where I will discuss this episode, answer your questions, and connect you with other like-minded business leaders. Simply search for the Business Leadership Group directly in Facebook. And if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe and rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening today. Thank you again. Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast
0: at thebusinessleadership.com.